Hello everyone and welcome to the August 6th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Skarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel ruled that parties have no unconditional right to a PQME. In this case, Tyree Foster claimed to have injured his back in 2016 while working for Express Employment Professionals, but his claim was denied. In an attempt to resolve the issues of injury AOE-COE, the parties made five sequential panel requests to the medical unit. Four panelists failed to yield a physician capable of offering a regulation-compliant appointment window. An MSC was set regarding a panel dispute and indicating that the parties were in need of a replacement panel of QMEs. The defendants objected, averring that a hearing would be moot or premature because the medical unit had recently issued a new fifth replacement panel list. The applicant made the initial QME panel request back in April of 2017. After the first PQME turned out to be unavailable, the party submitted a replacement panel request in May 2017. The remaining doctor from the first replacement panel was scheduling in 2018, so the party sought another replacement panel. From the second replacement panel, the remaining QME earliest available appointment was seven months out, so yet another replacement panel was requested. The remaining doctor from the third replacement panel was not available sooner than April 2018, leading the parties to submit yet another replacement panel request in November 2017. As of the time of the MSC, that request was pending at the medical unit. Attorneys for Mr. Foster asked the work comp judge for help moving the case forward, claiming the applicant had lost his job and was without benefits due to the difficulty of being unable to obtain a medical evaluation. No medical reports were filed at the time of the MSC from anyone. The new work comp, ju- the work comp judge found that the record was not sufficiently developed to allow adjudication of AOE-COE, and that the parties have been diligent in pursuing medical legal discovery, but have been unsuccessful for reasons that were beyond their control and beyond the comprehension of the work comp judge. In the interest of expiting resolution of the compensability in the case, as well as potentially other medical questions, the work comp judge ordered that applicant be examined by Dr. Joel Renbaum for all medical legal purposes in the case. The parties were ordered to communicate with the doctor in the same manner as they would if they were appointed as a qualified medical evaluator. The order was pursuant to the Authority of Labor Code Section 5701, which permits an evaluation by a regular physician. The employer petitioned for removal of the case and asked that this order be rescinded. They asserted that the order exceeds the lawful bounds of the work comp judge discretion. But the WCAB denied removal in the case of Foster v. Express Employment Professionals. Labor Code 5701 provides that the appeals board may also from time to time direct any employee claiming compensation to be examined by a regular physician. 
Contrary to defendants' contention, the Labor Code does not grant them an unconditional right to participate in the panel QME selection protocol. The statute limits litigants' option for obtaining medical legal evidence, but it does not require or entitle them to select a QME. A new partially published case from the Court of Appeal addresses the circumstances under which a safety consultant retained by a California employer owes a duty of care to an employer's workers. The plaintiff in this case are the parents of Oscar Peridia Jr., who was 19 years old when he was killed while working at Double Diamonds Dairy. He was hit by the front-end loader on a John Deere tractor when he was sweeping the feed slab, knocked down and run over by the right front wheel of the tractor. Double Diamond began its dairy business back in 1998. At the time of the incident, the dairy occupied 220 acres, had approximately 4,800 milking cows, and a total of 9,500 animals and about 50 employees. Approximately 3,000 acres of farmland support the dairy, and Double Diamond's farming operation employ another 20 workers. So Double Diamond engaged the defendant, HR Mobile Services Incorporated, to assist it with human resources training, loss prevention, and workers' compensation issues. The contractual relationship between Double Diamond and HR Mobile was established by a handshake and was not set forth in a written document. Double Diamond paid HR Mobile $24,000 a year for services related to the dairy. HR Mobile requested one of its vendors, Barretti Incorporated, to provide a form of injury and illness prevention plan. HR Mobile asserts that when it obtained the plan from Barretti, it believed it complied with California's basic statutory and regulatory requirements for dairy injury and illness prevention plans and was based on current occupational and health standards and requirements and on accepted industrial safety and health principles and practices. But plaintiffs contend that HR Mobile's belief was not reasonable because, among other things, HR Mobile neglected to analyze the Darius' previous injury prevention plan or the one obtained from Beretti to ensure the new plan complied with occupational and health standards and requirements. The plaintiffs assert the subsequent citations issued by California's Division of Occupational Safety and Health established that the injury and illness prevention plan was not compliant. But the trial court granted summary judgment to the safety consultant on the ground that the consultant owed no duty of care to the employees. But the Court of Appeal disagreed and reversed in the partially published case of Peredia versus HR Mobile Services. California recognizes the common law theory of negligent undertaking, which is described in Section 324A of the Restatement Second of Torts. Our Supreme Court set forth the five elements of a negligent undertaking cause of action in its 1998 ruling of Artiglio v. Corning Incorporated. Three of the elements are related to the duty of care. 
A safety consultant is liable to an employee of the firm that hired the safety consultant when the employee establishes the elements of a negligent undertaking claim set forth by the California Supreme Court in the Artiglio case. And now our crime report. David Laguerre, a physician's assistant who formerly practiced in San Leandro, was convicted of 39 counts of distributing opiates and other DEA-controlled drugs outside the course of professional practice and without a legitimate medical purpose. Evidence at trial showed that in 2015 and 2016, Laguerre was the number one prescriber of opioids in the state of California. Laguerre prescribed over 1.6 million controlled substance pills, of which over 1.4 million were in the most dangerous and abused category designated by the DEA as Schedule II. Undercover videotapes showed that Mr. Laguerre prescribing pills to an, under, to an informant without asking any questions about the patient's health or performing any physical examinations. Further recordings showed that when the informant asked Laguerre to double his oxycodone prescription to allow him to sell the extra pills for $6,000, Laguerre provided the prescription along with suggestions on how to avoid detection by the pharmacy or insurance provider. The guilty verdict followed an 11-day jury trial. The jury found that Legue had prescribed oxycodone pills on two occasions to a patient who had informed Legue that he intended to sell the pills to make a profit. The jury acquitted Legue of health care fraud charges in connection with his fentanyl prescriptions to one of the four patients. Following his conviction, Legue was remanded to the custody of the United States Marshal Service. His hearing on sentencing is scheduled for October 22nd. The Labor Commissioner's Office issued more than $1.2 million in wage theft citations to a Temecula nail salon for misclassifying and failing to properly pay 36 workers. An investigation found that the workers at Young's Nail Spa were not paid an hourly rate and not paid overtime despite working up to 50 hours a week. The Labor Commissioner's Office launched its investigation when the Labor and Workforce Development Agency referred the case following notification of a complaint filed through the Private Attorney General's Act. Investigators audited the business records over a 40-month period and determined that 36 workers employed at the salon were for each salon service performed instead of the total hours worked. Shifts averaged 9.5 to 10 hours per day, but workers were not properly paid for overtime nor provided proper meal and rest breaks. Young's Nail Spa also failed to carry valid workers' compensation insurance coverage during the last three years. The $1.2 million citation amount includes $670,000 payable to workers plus several penalties. The civil penalties collected are transferred to the state's general fund as required by law. Worker misclassification is the practice of knowingly misclassifying an employee as an independent contractor. It deprives employees of minimum wage and overtime protections, as well as workers' compensation coverage if injured on the job, 
and creates an unfair playing field for responsible employers who honor their lawful obligations to their employees. The Labor Commissioner's Office enforces law prohibiting the willful misclassification of workers. When workers are paid less than minimum wage, they are entitled to liquidated damages that equal the amount of underpaid wages plus interest. If a worker quits, final wages are due within 72 hours of the notice. Waiting time penalties are imposed when the employer intentionally fails to pay all wages due to the employee at the time of separation. This penalty is calculated by taking the employee's daily rate of pay and multiplying it by the number of days the employee was not paid up to the maximum of 30 days. Required workplace postings on wages, hours, and working conditions must be posted in an area frequented by employees where it may be easily read during the workday. Nail salons have a specific posting required for all barbering and cosmetology licensees. And in regulatory news, George Persato, the Administrative Director of the DWC, spoke about the state of the California workers' compensation system with the Insurance Journal. He notes that the system has undergone numerous changes since the implementation of the sweeping reforms that started in 2013 with SB 863. In the last few years, medical provider fraud has been addressed by subsequent new laws. A plague of liens that burden the system are being addressed, and there's even a new drug formulary. Mr. Parasato provided his views on some of these changes. He admits that not everyone likes the changes. One has no further to look than the public comments on new rulemaking proposals by the Division of Workers' Compensation. Some providers have called the changes unfair and overly burdensome. And there is a shortage of qualified medical examiners who are an essential backbone of how workers' comp medical reviews are dealt with in the system. Mr. Parasato equates what it takes to make changes as almost like turning a cruise ship. He says it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of understanding on the part of people. Among the many tasks on his plate, he wants to make sure that the new drug formulary is up-to-date and reflects the best evidence-based medicine that is out there. The legislation mandates implementation of a pharmacy and therapeutic committee that will give advice as to what is going on in the world of evidence-based medicine and what new drugs exist and how they are used. He's also proud of the rulemaking at the end of the last year, which updated all of the treatment guidelines to the current chapters that are used by ACOM. SB 1160 added provisions that provided a faster route to adopt newer guidelines so the DWC does not have to go through the regular rulemaking process. What we have now is a process where, if there's a new guideline, officials send out a notice, provide a 30-day period for written comments, have a public hearing, and then respond to those comments. After responding to the comments, the DWC can adopt those chapters. He wants to have a process that makes treatment guidelines more living documents, something that can be changed when needed. With respect to the drop in the size of the QME list, he wants to step up recruitment efforts and reach out to various associations to help 
to see what they can do to recruit more doctors. Last June, the DWC adopted an order adjusting the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare quarterly update. The June order included adoption of updates to the National Correct Coding Initiative, Medically Unlikely Edits, which stands for, or the acronym is MUE, Medically Unlikely Edits. The MUE edits file sets forth the maximum number of units of service related to a specific procedure that are medically likely to be reported by a treating physician. It serves as a useful screening tool to identify possible billing errors for many procedure codes. However, the July 1, 2018 MUE file reveals that many codes are listed as zero value due to Medicare coverage rules that do not apply to the scope of workers' compensation medical care. For example, acupuncture codes and hearing aid examination codes were added to the file with a value of zero because they are not Medicare benefits. However, they are covered services for workers' compensation patients when medically necessary. The fee schedule regulation provides that the correct coding edits, including the MUE, do not apply where workers' compensation payment rules differ from Medicare rules. In order to avoid possible confusion and inappropriate denials of bills for medically necessary care, the DWC has determined that the codes listed in the MUE with a value of zero should not be included in the MUE file adopted for workers' compensation. Therefore, the DWC has adopted a revised physician and non-physician practitioner fee schedule update order for services rendered on or after July 1. The revised order adopts an excerpt of the MUE file, which deletes codes listed with a zero value. The exclusion of the zero-value codes from the MUE file does not mean that all of the deleted codes are payable. It should be noted that some of the MUE zero-value codes would not be payable in workers' compensation. In particular, the codes that are identified as status code B, bundled, in the relative value unit file and codes specifically identified in the fee schedule regulation as not payable. Although the status code B bundled codes and the workers' compensation not payable codes will not be identified by the MUE, the payer may apply other edits to identify those non-payable codes. In addition, the order adopts revisions to conform to current Medicare terminology as the physician CCI edits are now entitled practitioner PTP edits. If a medical provider believes a medical bill has been inappropriately denied based upon the application of the MUE, he or she may submit a request for a second bill review to the claims administrator. The order, revised regulation text, and the MUE excerpt file are effective for services rendered on or after July 1 and can be found on the DWC website. And in medical news, the August online issue of the British Medical Journal reports that the use of prescription opioids remains high in the United States despite public health efforts and growing awareness of risks for abuse and overdose. 
The researchers analyzed a national database of medical and pharmacy claims to examine trends in opioid use among 48 million people with health insurance between 2007 and 2016. They included working-age adults with commercial insurance as well as Medicare beneficiaries eligible for coverage either because they were over age 65 or younger but disabled. Overall, 14% of commercially insured patients and 26% of older Medicare beneficiaries used opioids during the study period. The rate was 52% among disabled Medicare beneficiaries. Over the last decade, the proportion of adults being prescribed opioid medications has changed very little. But dosages have continued to rise and are especially high among patients with permanent disabilities. Also concerning were the number of patients with prescriptions for both opioids and benzodiazepines because the combination can raise the risk of death. The U.S. has the highest per capita rate of opioid use in the world, nearly double that of second-ranked Germany and seven times higher than the UK. The study concludes that there is a cause for alarm and need for rapid and effective policy changes to decrease overprescribing and reduce opioid-related deaths, specifically improved access and coverage of evidence-based non-opioid pain alternatives, such as topical non-steroid anti-inflammatory medications for acute musculoskeletal pain or physical therapy for chronic low back pain. The FDA issued a complete response letter to Phoenix, Arizona-based Insys Therapeutics, rejecting its buprenorphine sublingual spray for moderate to severe acute pain. The product rejected by the FDA was an under-the-tongue spray formulation of buprenorphine and opioid although the data submitted with the company's drug application indicated all three proposed doses of the drug showed statistically significant pain release compared to a placebo, the FDA indicated concerns over safety. While this product has been pending at the FDA, the company Insys Therapeutics has been embroiled in investigations related to its opioid cancer pain medication, Subsys. Last year, the company's billionaire founder, John Kapoor, was charged with participating in a scheme to bribe doctors to prescribe sepsis and to defraud insurers into paying for it. In March, Gerald Rosenberg, a physician in Rhode Island who took kickbacks from incest, lost his medical license and was fired from his professorship at Brown University after pleading guilty to taking more than a $188,000 in kickbacks in the form of speaker fees. He also made false patient records to defraud insurers into paying for subsis. He was sentenced to more than four years in prison in order to pay $754,000 in restitution. Dr. Rosenberg was the fourth physician to be jailed over incest bribes after a federal investigation that indicted John Kapoor and six other executives. Federal prosecutors told the court that Rosenberg ignored and bullied patients who resisted staying on the powerful pain-killing spray. The government said in court filings that at least one of Rosenberg's patients suffered an overdose and was near death as a result of his wrongdoing. Kapoor is scheduled for trial in 2019 for charges of racketeering and conspiracy.
Both he and the other INSYS executives have pleaded not guilty. And in financial news, Fitch Ratings reports that the U.S. workers' compensation insurance market reported strong underwriting performance for the third consecutive year in 2017. The industry statutory combined ratio is now about 92%. However, a steady decline in premium rates from increased competition will ultimately lead to weaker underwriting results. Fitch believes that while the industry may still generate underwriting profits this year, workers' compensation results will move toward break-even in 2019. Positive performance drivers include underwriting exposure growth, continued falling claims frequency rates, and conservative reserve levels. Past underwriting and pricing actions and relatively stable loss trends have positively influenced recent market performance. Recognition of greater reserve redundancies in 2017 also partly drove results, which totaled about 12% of market earned premiums. Fitch says favorable loss reserve redundancies will materialize for the next few years, but to a lesser degree than in 2017. Factors that can negatively affect future industry performance include premium rate pressure, increasing medical loss severity, and erosion of past reform benefits in key states. Market direct written premium volume in 2017 declined from the prior year to $56 billion, representing the first year of lower market premium since 2010. Net written premiums fell by 1.3% during the same time, mainly due to larger reinsurance sessions. Premium revenue weakness, along with greater technology-related spending, has led to higher expense ratios, which have risen two points since 2014. Workers' compensation premium growth will continue to lag other commercial line segments due largely to divergent pricing trends. According to the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers, Quarterly Commercial Property Casualty Market Index Survey, Renewal rates in the workers' compensation segment declined in each of the past 13 consecutive quarters. The National Council on Compensation Insurance's latest state-of-the-line presentation notes an increase in workers' compensation indemnity and medical cost claims severity of 4% each in 2017. And in other industry news, accredited surety and casualty company incorporated, a Florida headquartered insurance company that is licensed in all 50 states, has entered its largest ever underwriting partnership. Accredited recently expanded its insurance offerings to include workers' compensation and selected Atlas General Insurance Services LLC, a national multi-line program administrator, as its exclusive program administrator nationwide. And California is the first state where the program is available, and Atlas is actively working with accredited to expand this program nationwide. The new platform includes more than 320 eligible class codes, including contractors, healthcare, transportation, agriculture, towing, janitorial, manufacturing, refuge operations, warehousing and storage, automotive services, and more. The Atlas program also includes services like an online raider, flexible payment plans, loss control services, and claims handling. 
Atlas General Insurance Service provides services and coverage for clients seeking workers' compensation, commercial lines, and specialty property coverage. The company was incorporated in 2008 and is based in San Diego. It has locations in Knoxville, Tennessee, and New York, New York. Accredited Surety and Casualty Company is a wholly owned subsidiary of Randall and Quilter Investment Holdings Limited. Accredited is a Florida domiciled insurer that is U.S. Treasury listed and licensed and admitted in all 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia with offices in Orlando and Atlanta. Randall and Quilter Investment Holdings Limited is a diverse insurance group headquartered and operating in Bermuda, but with extensive operations in the U.S., U.K., Bermuda, and Europe. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. To use that, search for Workers' Compensation News on the Amazon website. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.